Okay. All right, uh, so Ciara has piggy packed upon me, and I jump out the window. Yeah. That's hilarious, because Ciara's taller than you. Yes, it works. It just does. Fallout. Anyway, I'm also holding the little door, and I'm also holding the hotel door. I wield the darkness with control and ease. That's extremely funny. Okay, so who is left outside <laughs> on the land? Right. So there are, there is, like, three police officers who are friendly to you, but responding with absolute shock at the fact that you are here, who are confused by what you just did, but also confused by the presence of the people in cloaks who are not responding to gunfire. Like, it seems to be, to the naked eye, it seems like they're impervious to gunfire, but upon closer inspection, it looks like the bullets are passing through their cloaks and entering some other space elsewhere. Okay, so we still have friendlies, technically, on the field, as well as very unfriendlies. Plus mm-hmm. the three shiny swords that Ciara is still interested in. That's the field in front of me. Okay, so... I also cars, obviously, if you want to also do a car cars. Thing. More doors for you. More Your door collection. For me. My door collection. I believe um, it's called a carsonal. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. I thought I had escaped puns. Never. <laughs> so I think confusing everybody for some time would be very good. Mm-hmm. And I would like to expose a weakness or a flaw of the cloaked people. I feel like if anything was going to ex- ex- expose a weakness of yours, significant momentum erupting from three floors above you with two doors would kind of do the trick. Mm-hmm. So you land on the you land on the concrete outside the Chanton Arms with a force that sends this massive gust of wind forward towards everybody. It's massive enough to like tilt one of the cars a couple of millimeters, but it obviously raises every or raises the cloaks of all of the cloaked uh, figures outside. Uh, one of the police officers still emptying a magazine in that direction, quite recklessly, really sillily, puts two in the right side of one of the cloaked pe- uh, persons, like, as their actual body is exposed, and that person immediately reaches for the cloth around them and tries to cling it towards themselves, and it's now, like, lurching in pain on that side. And then when the cops goes, it turns to Hamalia and goes, do it again. I cannot jump down from the third floor again, I announced to them. <laughs> I mean, I'll unleash some some fire again. But I can throw one of two extremely heavy doors again. <laughs> you can do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ciara, I hope you've hopped off my back by now. Yes. Because, yes. <laughs> I assumed... Are you going to throw a door? Yeah, I think I'll throw a door. Just to see how the door responds. <laughs> Just to see how the door responds. No, yeah, you're still unleashing the dark hair. Mm-hmm. Or, rather, 
Everything you... about Hamaliel has felt like very close range violence as opposed to long range violence. So can I shield charge somebody with one of the doors? You can do either of those things. The thing that occurred to me is you can either unleash the dark or you can use come on tough guy counts in this moment. You are going up against the colossal and the other you're going up against an otherworldly opponent, which I think counts in this instance. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will do that. (laughs) I will come on tough guy. Okay. Yes. So the way I come on tough guy is I T-pose because this always makes people stop moving for some reason. And I remember the fact that these people are the reason why that two human beings are very weak and the reason why Jane has been extremely stressed and the reason why Tempo has been reminiscing about how they first reminisce in great sadness and also why Ciara has with great stress released lots of fire, which always makes her feel very guilty afterwards. So I am very displeased at this turn of events that they have caused. So I T-pose at them and I put on my very biggest smile because this is what I wish to do. And I say, do not worry, my friends. Everybody in front of me is going to die. Ah, okay. And then I attack them with my doors. Yes, that is what I do. Okay. You are overreacting with violence. (laughs) Take four darkness tokens. Uh, four darkness tokens. Let's see. Where is the button that lets me do that? Gaining. So I gain four. Which puts you at six. Which puts me at six. And... I would like to roll for Come On Tough Guy. I think I'm going to add three because this is quite a moment. Uh, Click to roll. That's a disastrous success. (laughs) That's the most you could roll, right? That's the (laughs) highest possible result. Yeah, Yeah, 12 plus three is 650. (laughs) I really care about my friends, you guys, okay? Everybody in front of me is going to die. (laughs) I mean... On a disastrous success, you are locked in an intense battle and you cannot stop until your opponent is destroyed. Choose one from the perfect hit list, or you can only pull back if a player agrees to spend one bond to reach past your rage. If they don't spend the bond, you cannot stop fighting until your opponent is destroyed. I don't have any bonds with you. <laughs> I'm in an uh, elevator. Technically, nobody else knows that this is happening, so narratively, this doesn't... Uh... Yeah, okay, so narratively, cool. doesn't work. I uh, can pick choose one. one from the above. And so for those who are only on audio, the one from the above are, I can either give my allies a golden opportunity, I can choose an ally to gain a bond with me, I can uncover a key at great cost, I can, or I can inflict two conditions on them, but then take one in return. I think I'm leaning between either the golden opportunity or the key at this moment. The only ally who would be able to gain a bond with me, because you're the only one here, would be Ciara. So mm-hmm. I would like to kind of weigh the decision with you. Would you like um. to have this be a bond-gaining moment, or do we want to just lean into the, hello, you're beating the crap out of these things, and you've uncovered a key? 
I mean, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, either that golden opportunity bond, like definitely key. Key is good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I will take the key, uncover the key at a great cost. And because there are no bonds to spend with me, I can't stop fighting until my opponent is destroyed. Also, Brandon, I don't know if <laughs> this is the game as designed, but my ruin move is my last move. And that move is none stand before me. So that move text says, you may at any time choose to kill an NPC who is vulnerable to you. So I don't know <laughs> if that applies to any of the cloak people here. But yes, because this is the text of um, Come on Tough Guy says, I can't stop until they're destroyed. Yeah. So that seems These... to fold into this. Mm hmm. These yeah. characters are not vulnerable to you, or at least not okay. yet. Okay, okay. So, what happens is you put this. Which door are you charging with? The limo door. It's my best friend so far. Right. So, you charge with the limo door. You press forward against these uh, cloaked figures. And they immediately put their hands up and are, like, repelling you with a kind of force. You can't see because the door is in front of it. You can only see the extremities of things that become bigger than the door. But they're blocking you with objects that are being summoned from within space. The space between you and them. They summon, like, a tree... And then the tree falls down as you push it. They summon a large wall of gold bricks. And you just you charge through the wall of gold bricks. They summon like large a large pile of stuffed animals. And you just kind of tumble through them. They are just constantly pushing wild and crazy shit in front of you. And it's all preventing you from actually getting in the space where you can actually touch them. Mm -hmm. But you're keep, you keep getting closer with enough force and enough rage, and the fact that they are that they all, that like four or five of them need to focus on you in order to keep that distance in the first place is a good sign that if it weren't for one of t one or two of them, you would have already like knocked them out and thrown them six or seven feet up into the air and on the other side of the uh, street at this point. But that would require somebody else to intervene, either for them or for you. While that's happening, Temple, where are you? Uh, just checking. Yoi, did you take the gain a key option? Yes, I okay. took the gain a key option. So I assume the key will happen right, yeah. once people have been destroyed. <laughs> right, yeah, that, yeah, you have a key that I need to give you. I just want to flag it. I'm happy to jump over to Tempo and give you some time to, to think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Since it's that's where you were, seems like you were gesturing. Aha, uh -huh. I know. So you continue forcing your way through this space, and as you keep getting closer and closer, you finally like find yourself like within arm's length of one of these individuals, and as you kind of like clip them with the limo door you snap a locket off of their neck. This is the first that anybody has noticed that they're wearing anything, that they have anything of worth under their cloaks other than just like wife beaters and shorts anyway. And 
it kind of snags on the door, on like one of the jagged, dented in mm-hmm. parts of the door, which is the only reason why you can like continue charging forward and still be able to see that the locket has a photo of like a husband, wife, and small child in it. And you get the impression, even though you haven't seen the face of the person that you just knocked out, that one of the adults in this photo was them. And then when you glance back at them, you notice that their face is covered in this mask. It's the... Think of Count of Monte Cristo mask. Think of the mask that one of the classes in Dark Souls wears that I can't recall which where nothing is visible except one eye. You get the impression that that mask is there for a reason that is significant in comparison to the otherwise very pristine, idyllic image of this photograph. Can I headbutt the mask through the door? Since the window's gone by now. I'll give you that easily for the key. This person's face is, like, covered in tattoos that are made to resemble scars. Amaliel is thinking very strongly of Jane, of course, who is the only other individual they know who wears a mask. And as they basically curb stomp this one person and moves on to the other one in a graceful manifestation of universal dissolution, they say in that reverb galaxy voice, my friend looks better (laughs) and moves on to the next person. Oh, God. Yeah, you continue. (laughs) Right, yes. As you continue charging through these spaces. Temple, where are you? We've just sat down in the, like, front parking lot. And Tempo has, like, set the two people on the ground, but still has their arms wrapped around them. And says, we will wait for my companion to arrive. And then we will get you to a safe location. Which companion was this? Was it we were waiting for Jane? Yeah. To come out the elevator? Yeah. Apparently, um, just kind of like nodding along to a uh, an instrumental. Well, it's from the it's a sixties or seventies hotel, so it's probably yeah, proper yeah. music. It's not new stuff. So it's just it's upsettingly catchy that they're. It just is. Like... It is what you can only presume is a remaster of a brass instrumental recording of Fly Me to the Moon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come out the elevator. The elevator is facing the front door where you can see Hamaliel shoulder checking for people with a limo door and lots of police officers just reloading, emptying clips, reloading. The back exit is like around a corner from this elevator and backward. I think the sound design of the scene is incredible because you have like the nice cheeriness, then the ding, and then as the door opens, yeah. they get to just <laughs> jam those sliders on all the sound effects and just instantly rip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you turn the corner again and it becomes just a little silent again and you come out the other side of the building. I have the box and I know that I cannot take the box to where the danger is, but it is like, it's, it's heart-wrenching because... I, like, I've worked with Ciara, so like the amount of... I can usually judge Ciara's emotional state by the amount of conflagration. 
and like, oh, this is a five alarm fire. So Ciara is not having a very good time. And then, of course, the fact that like the gunshots are punctuated with the chorus of angels blasting trumpets is also not a good sign. But I, I know I can't help them. That defeats the purpose of everything. There is no rational reason for me to take the thing to the people who want the thing. And like, there's that step forward that would make the audience go like, oh, John's an idiot before he turns and just oh, grudgingly awful hauling himself and all of her baggage towards the agreed upon rendezvous point with Tempo. Okay. You come out, you meet Tempo and the other two individuals. Tempo, you're the first to hear footsteps from the other side of the back parking lot of this hotel. I will hilariously turn with two adult people in my arms so that I can I can face the uh, the footsteps. You see a young woman, blonde, blue eyes, red t-shirt, black pencil skirt, pink knee-high boots. The individual from earlier who just lost her jacket. And she goes, there you are. So do we think that the sense of the scene that Jane conveyed earlier extends far enough to be able to recognize this person in this moment for tempo. I think you recognize enough details from the description that Jane would have psychically described to you that you pick up, oh, pink. So tempo drops the two people and says, running is the best choice that you can make. And then tempo flies aloft about 15 feet up their, their hands like fully extended. They have a gigantic, arm arms like a gigantic wingspan because they are seven something foot tall and their fingers are too long and they call out to this person what are you doing here i'm like a hundred percent expecting tempo to like get hit by lightning out of the sky or something right now <laughs> oh god not <laughs> we're not playing a superhero show we're playing something much sillier than that Ha-ha-ha. i just imagined the uh a non-copyright infringing version of the Guile's theme song playing as <laughs> Tempo takes to the sky. Right, like in the in the TV show of, of this, the Tempo theme song is composed in the style of like a superhero movie song. And, but then you, you put it through, it's like, it's either in minor or like the, it's, in weird polyrhythms that are slightly unsettling. <laughs> right. So, I... Right, so this is what happens. This, this young woman standing before you sees you hover into the air with all your imposing superhero might and grins. And she says, I'm just here to clean things up. And she snaps her fingers. I would like you, Tempo, to power through darkness for me so I know how to respond to a thing that just happened. Okay, I'm just going to look at that real quick. Power through darkness. When you push the limits of your supernatural powers, strain you to the extraordinary or avert imminent danger, spend darkness tokens and roll. Sure thing. I will spend some darkness tokens with that. Spend and roll. Two darkness tokens and roll is a seven, which is a miss, but I'm going to spend one bond with the public because I'm doing superhero shit. 
<laughs> this is grand. This is grand. Okay, cool. This young lady snaps her fingers before you. And briefly, you do not see the world in front of you anymore. You see your home planet. You see it at, it, at its most lush and most progressive and most industrious and most complete and most hopeful that it has ever been in its entire lifetime. And that's saying a lot because it's never been these things as, as, as for as long as you have seen them. Or very, very rarely in brief, sharp glimpses. Never as rich and as beautiful as this. You see loved ones who you know have died reach ages that you know they have not reached. You see broken parts of your hometown reach reformed shapes of beauty that they have never taken for as long as you've lived there. And then that image kind of fades away as you kind of focus on the fact that this is not real. You're doing something right now. What are you doing? Oh, right. These two idiots and this statue. statue. And when you come to in this space, you see a small crowd of people like... 25 feet away through, like, a gate nearby where construction is happening on another side of the street with camera phones looking at this scene with you and this young woman in frame. And you hear people, like, gasping and, and whispering, but you, you can hear that they're saying powerful, hopeful things about you. Oh my god, that's tempo. Why is temple here is that girl like a supervillain or something is some supervillain shit happening in la is that are we gonna catch some superhero shit is this are we gonna catch some marvel studios crap over here all right this young woman looks up to you and says you really don't want to look at anything beautiful don't you so one of the things that you might get on an eight when you power through darkness is a bond with someone I'd like to pitch that I regain my bond with the public as those people are kind of asserting and kind of hoping to be witness to some superhero stuff. We're just mm-hmm. all sitting there like, it's him, it's him, oh my god, it's him! Also, take two darkness tokens for the brief confusion of that scene. I think I'm going to also take another two for feeling lonely because... This person tried to show me something truly beautiful that I know is a lie, and that just makes it hurt more. And then I'm going to, like, having come back to to my senses, I kind of respond to this woman who says, you know, you don't want to see something beautiful. There is more beauty in my people's past than humanity has ever learned and forgotten in the pursuit of joy and beauty, and truth, and you will not stop me. And then Tempo kind of reaches back in time to this moment, this fake moment, the little shards and degrees of it that were real, and I want to use my move Ashes to Ashes. When you declare how the wisdom of your people may help in a situation, spend darkness tokens and roll. This is some sort of 
illusionist, like this is a mental illusionist. And so what they reach for is the blade of psionic annihilation, which is a weapon that they had that um, the Relayum had to make in order to fight a it's like they're like the brood from X-Men because I'm in superhero mode. So it's like a a consuming hive species that used psionic psionic offense. And so the Relayum forged these weapons. And that's what I'm kind of reaching for. So in order to spend and, ro- and roll, I'm going to spend three darkness tokens and roll. Did it, did it actually work? So that's a seven. But I can spend bonds. I'm going to spend you a bond can. with what the darkness demands because this is like a lot of power to be using. And I've previously established that one of the things that led the Relayum to their doom was an overuse of power. And that will take me to eight. Okay. And so on eight, your wisdom shines brightly in the dark. Choose two. Recall ancient knowledge. Ask the keeper any question and they will answer it honestly and with great detail. I hate it when games ask me to do that. (laughs) Awaken latent abilities within. Choose another power of darkness from another playbook. You have access to it for now. Recognize the the signs of portent hanging over your fellow monsters. Each PC gains one darkness token. See a fractured memory in the face of another monster. Declare what that memory is and gain one bond with that monster. So I'm going to... What I actually want to do is I want to gain one of my one of the, the powers of darkness I don't have, which is an ancient weapon of destruction. As I've reached back in time to to grab one of these psionic and um annihilators, I think is what I said. And then the other thing I want is I want to answer I want to ask a question. As Tempo reaches back and for a split second is connected to that rich legacy of their people that they tell this brightly colored miscreant about. They want to know, actually, the question I want to ask is, who is the Pittman sculpture and where did they come from? (laughs) You reach out for the Blade of Sonic Annihilation, but before you get there, you briefly find yourself somewhere in the 1950s 1960s time on earth is weird because you don't know how human culture has evolved up to this point but sometime in the vague past you watch this lanky skinny young man drag like this large pile of stone into a barn in a farm somewhere and take two very small strips of sandpaper and polish it. And you watch for what for you is the normal spanning progress of time, but for everybody else occurs in your psyche for mere seconds. You watch this man spend... 8 to 12 hours a day for a year and a half just scraping hand just with one piece of sandpaper in his hand slowly smoothing out the edges of this large piece of pewter 
with sandpaper. Things that to mortals don't make sense, but to you makes even less sense because this is just a mortal and this is a piece of stone. And five to six months, you start seeing it take some vague shapes. You see like there is an intentionality here. Eight to nine months, you see more clearly. He's trying to do things very deliberately with the way that this portrays fabric as a piece of cloth in a way that is absolutely fascinating to you considering that he's doing it it's such remarkably useless tool to you and that entire time it seems as if he's talking to the statue he keeps telling the statue how his day went things that he's noticed in town things that he wants things that he's afraid of you notice every once in a while that he will be working at 9 or 10 in the night, even though you can hear other people at the farm and you can hear people ask for this person by name. 14, 15, 16 months in, as you're watching this entire thing unfold day by day, hour by hour, in the natural progress of time, you see him emerge with a thing that looks like the Pitman sculpture, but is... Eight feet tall. And then you see this man pull up a rocking chair in front of the statue, sit in front of it, and never leave. You watch this man, like, become hungry, become thirsty, lose will, and fade away in front of the statue. And then his family finds him in the barn. You have no idea how they could have not known that he was there. But they realize only after he has passed that he has been there. They hold a burial for him in the farm. They bury him in cornfields on the farm. The farm closes down. His two sisters and their children leave. And then you see, like, repo men come for, like, the tractors and stuff on the farm. And your gaze leaves to look at the front, even in this, like, fictional space, turns to watch them enter the large red barn doors to look at whatever else can be appraised in this space. And when you turn back, the large wagon where this, sit, where this like, eight-foot statue should have been now has a ten-inch statue in it. And you look at it very curiously. It's like, that's not... That's not how that... And it's only when you look at it that you notice that the statue turns to face those individuals as they are looking at other things in this barn, looking at tools and whatever other machinery can be harnessed in this space before it realizes that someone has turned to look at it and it lies down flat on its back in the wagon and everyone hears it go plack against the, the metal of the wagons like, what's that? Someone's art project, I guess? And then you see it go on sale, spend months at a time on people's desks as a paperweight or on a mantelpiece somewhere. You get the vague impression that it starts changing shape, becoming just a little bit bigger, just a little bit smaller every once in a while. And you notice all of those people start getting lots of very beautiful, lovely things coming into their lives. You see 
Fortune 500 CEOs start getting fancy watches and cars as gifts and going on dates with a different model every night. You see an art teacher somewhere has it on his desk at school and his school is constantly being like repainted by students with lovely murals outside and the flowers are always growing in the path that leads into the school steps but all of those people start getting very very sick and then you never see what happens to them after that you just see what where the statue ends up next and you see that happen 10 11 12 times and then you reach for the blade of sonic annihilation and you pull it forward what do you do with the Blade of Sonic Annihilation? So while this is happening, has Jane walked out of one or another entrance into the periphery of this scene? Oh yeah, Jane was behind you when the girl entered in the first place. Yep. I think... I don't know... Well, Wilbur makes more sense, but having established that John's prerogative is to not bring the statue to the people who want the statue... If we want to say that they turn the corner and then see Tempo going into superhero mode, that's like, okay, not door number two, door number three. Uh, But if we want to turn it in other direction and then bring the statue into the scene for narrative purposes, I'm more than happy to follow that. Yeah, because like I'm fine to to stare down this person and either leave this this story beat there or follow you kind of with the, the statue. Um, because I think trying to do the fight could go for a while and we have an active action scene on the other side of the building. Mm -hmm. Would it make sense for us to say that like John appears, Tempo sees them, the woman turns their attention and now it turns into an escape scene instead of a fight? There is another way that this manifests, which also depends on you entering uh, the scene late, which is uh, he sees John enter. And goes, I have no idea who you all are or why this matters to you, but we can paint this picture another time. And then they snap their fingers again. And this large golden tree starts cracking out of the asphalt in front of you, growing at a massive rate and incredible size. In the direction that would immediately shove Tempo backward. Like just jutting out of the concrete like the, to- like the leaning tower of Pisa. Huh. Do you just let it shove you or are you going to try to break this tree? I'm going to respond with incredible speed and dodge out of the way. Cool. I'm just going to let you do that. When you do that, like small swirl of flower petals have just started landing to the ground where that woman once stood. Hamaliel, you are still shoving and shoving past all of these people until you start feeling yourself having no resistance and running all the way forward. And running all the way forward. And running all the way forward. You have not noticed yet that you are actually just running running across the intersection with this limo door in front of you. No one is on the other side of this door now. Well, that is very annoying. But I can turn around and go back to my very best friend, Ciara. Ciara, you see four previously undefeatable combatants just turn into, like, flower petals or, like, the 
fly leaves of very expensive, very old first edition books or like small sheets of gold leaf and then just disappear. Are the swords still there? The swords are still there. I'm picking up at least one of them. You have an sword. There is a point at which you look at it and can't stop looking at it. And then one of the cops emerges from, like, the busted up, glass broken, exposed door of one of the cruisers, lifts his head up very curiously and goes, Did we win? I think so. Yes. And he looks around, sees absolute carnage everywhere, turns to where his immediate superior was, and sees two small rubies jutting into the passenger side uh, mirror of that cruiser door, and says, doesn't look like we won. And that's where we're going to close tonight's session of the Pitman Sculpture. Just a little bit long, but I wanted to get into mm. the meatiness of that last thing. Oh yeah, how did you all feel about this session? I'm glad that we Good. all got a scene to do as something absolutely ridiculously extra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It stands to reason that you all got an opportunity to do some Hellboy stuff. Because this was wild. I'm very like glad it. that we got to show everybody an opportunity to, like, not only save the day but to be reckless in that regard as well i also like that we all got to do something just like asinine like riding an elevator or pretending to be a personal assistant or like <laughs> holding the door in place right so it's a good balance of both i'm very glad that we got to do some silliness this evening i'm very excited for you to get further because you've discovered a great deal about some parts of the mystery and some parts of the mystery have come to look for you at this point. So I'm very eager to see what happens next from this point. But that will have to be at our next session. So before we leave, I would like to ask all of these lovely people to please let all of the lovely people watching and listening know who you are, what you do, and where they can find you next. Starting with Aubrey. Hello, I am Aubrey. You can find me everywhere on the internet at Mad Queen Cosplay or the Mad Queen. I am the technical director over at Queen's Court. You may not always see me there, but I always seem to... I'm doing a lot of things on a lot of things. So yeah. And you can also find me as the GM of Goblets and Gaze. Uh, we are wrapping up our final season for our very first campaign. It is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, other than that, just... Keep an eye on it. I have got a lot of really cool things coming soon, TM. Just no exact dates on them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Next, Yoi. Hello, and very soon, goodbye. I am Yoi Going Lin. Tonight, I played Amalio, our resident zombie cinnamon role, who now dual wields doors, which is very good. They keep pronouns for me. You can find me on Twitter at this is my design. Design is spelled capital D A S E I N. It is a philosophy and animal fun. Nice. Next, Aaron. Hello. This has been delightful. I love to think about this. I'm so happy right now. I was literally crying earlier in the show out of joy. Mm. 
Uh, I am the Forever GM at Queensport Games, where, among other things, in the near future, I'll be running the internet's second blaze, second best Court of Blades podcast. I also play Call of Cthulhu, Cult Divinity Lost, and Vampire the Masquerade. You can find all of those things either from my Twitter, at Aaron in Words. Also, the same thing on the better site, Blue Sky. Also, DM me if you need an invite, because I got a pile of them, and like people aren't people aren't asking for them. So like if you're watching this, hit me up. Also, or at Queen's Court RPG. That is where you can find all the stuff that we have talked about and go and uh going on on our side of the fence uh thank you once again to to mike and to brandon and to yoi for having us over this has been delightful i'm so happy literally buzzing and thank you for joining us this is so rad i'm so glad that we get to hear this thing and last but not least mike i'm mike i write as michael r underwood i have to thank brandon and all of my colleagues for helping me indulge my weirdo superhero fantasies uh this is very good some people write superhero comics i do weird monster superhero actual plays, and it makes me very happy. I am the dancing master for Valorword, which is Speculate's Court of Blades campaign, which is now a critically acclaimed uh, Court of Blades actual play series, and that makes me very, very happy. And we are continuing to produce that. We've been very happy to have uh, some new folks come on board uh, in the cast because other folks have gotten very busy because it's a cast of professional science fiction and fantasy writers. And so um, we have a lot of fun with that. That show is much more in the swashbuckling, intrigue, love, blood, and rhetoric, there must always be blood kind of school, which is a different vibe, but I hope you will also enjoy if you like things like The Three Musketeers or Game of Thrones, but without maybe some of the things that a lot of people don't like about Game of Thrones, you should probably just watch and find out. You can see all the videos for that at speculatesf.com. You can follow me on socials at Mike R. Underwood, and you can follow Speculate at speculatesf, both on on the website formerly known as Twitter and the Blue Sky Place. That's better for the most part. That's me. Mm -hmm. And that's for me. I am Brandon O'Brien. Uh, I keep the keys so you don't have to. I am one of the co-hosts of Speculate alongside Mike and Greg. I am a poet, writer, and game designer from Trinidad and Tobago. And you can find me almost everywhere on the internet, including the bad site and some of the okay sites at The Rising Tides, but I would much rather you go to my website, that is also my newsletter, brandonobrian.xyz. A reminder, of course, that you can find all of the cool things that Speculate does at speculatesf.com, and definitely at the Patreon, patreon.com slash speculate, where you find all kinds of other neat goodies about the things that we are playing, the things that we want to play, and how we feel about playing. So if you want to hear us be more verbose about how TTRPGs are rad, you can uh, go and join us over there. And I think that you should. Again, I remind, I, I, uh, I, I'm rem I would be, it would be remiss of me not to thank Aaron and Aubrey for joining us for this cool thing. I'm very glad that we get to share a thing together. I think that this is really cool. I'm glad that this apocalypse keeps with this because this game is chaotic as hell and I love it. And I'm very excited to see what our next session holds. But... Until that next session, I would like to let everyone watching and listening know that uh, you are very rad and we're gl very glad that you are here. So I hope that you have a wonderful evening. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And please do take care, because you never know what could be on the other side of that door. Thank you very much, and we'll see you again soon.